You're listening to Omaha Birth and Babies Podcast, Episode 7, where we will talk about fussy babies and how that can affect postpartum anxiety. Hi there, and welcome to the Omaha Birth and Babies Podcast Show. We are your hosts. I'm Andrea Showers. And I'm Shannon Barnett. We have been in the birth and postpartum industry since the beginning of 2015. Together, we have built a thriving birth and postpartum dual agency in Omaha, Nebraska. We are blessed to have a phenomenal team of doulas who offer professional and personalized care to each of our clients. We are so happy you are joining us on this podcast adventure. While listening to this podcast, you will hear stories and education surrounding all things fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, newborn, parenthood, and more. We will also have many experts and professionals that will be joining us as we dig deep into all the topics expecting and new parents want to know. Without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. We are talking about fussy babies and what that can do to moms and possibly even some anxiety. So Shannon and I are here to talk all about our personal experience with this and then our experience as certified postpartum doulas about this as well. So we're so excited to have you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a, it's a tough topic, you know? Oh my goodness. Yes. And it's it's so, and it can be so unexpected. I think that's the hardest part about it is you think about postpartum and you're like, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to be tired. And you know, you hear a little bit about, I probably won't get a shower in or maybe even brush my teeth, but then you have a fussy one. Yeah. Fussy ones are hard. So you have two kids. I have three. How many of yours were considered? Would you consider fussy? Oh, my first easy peasy. That kid never cried. (laughs) I wanted 10 kids. Then came my second one. Um, She was my fussy one. (laughs) And it was her that you had like your postpartum, like hormonal issues with, right? Yeah. Yeah. So with my first, I had a little bit of postpartum anxiety, but I think that was just kind of that normal new mom, like, you know, expectations that you put on yourself. But with my second, I just thought, my goodness, this is going to be so easy. My first was so easy. I, we had just moved from Kansas to Nebraska and I was going to be a stay at home mom for the first time in my life. And I was so excited for it. And Emma Grace had different plans. (laughs) (laughs) Hello mother. (laughs) Yes, it was fun. I even remember, um, my husband, when we were walking out the door from the hospital with her, she was screaming in her car seat and he looked at the nurse and was like, is she colic? And (laughs) the nurse was like, no, some babies just really hate their car seat. And he was like, okay. And I was like, no, colic isn't going to happen to us. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's rough. I think colic sometimes is a term that's like, just thrown out, you mm-hmm. know, when babies cry. And so that so makes sense. Cause I mean, that's what I did. I was like, if a baby cries, it for sure has colic. But I mean, goodness, when I started having kids 13 years ago, I knew nothing, <laughs> literally <Right>. nothing <laughs> about kids. And I'm yeah. like, oh, the baby's the baby cries. It's yeah. It and I think I think that too, like there's also unrealistic expectations of just how much a baby can cry versus what makes a baby colic or 
incredibly fussy high needs yeah yeah (laughs) yeah my I I actually don't know how I ended up having two other children because my first everyone's like my first one was a breeze and then you know we the second or third or 18th whatever it is you know they they had a rough go at it and I'm like my first was that was a rough time and so I'm like gosh why would I want to do that again I don't know you know like that like uh labor brain where they're just like you forget I'm like you you must get that yes you must get that for like postpartum too because or you're just like I still want a baby and I don't want them (laughs) to be an only child yeah there are times when I'm like oh my gosh I would totally have another kid and then I think back and it wasn't even the crying for me it was the postpartum depression and anxiety that stemmed from yeah not being able to fix her that made me decide you know I just I'm not going to go down that route again right um, so that's why she we stopped at two and didn't have 10 <laughs> yeah I I actually was talking to Scott that's my husband this morning about our first birth process um and I said I kind of think that my postpartum depression. Cause I had really severe postpartum depression with my first. And I was like, I kind of think it started right from the birth. Cause I did not get, I, I got put under general anesthesia for a C-section. So I didn't get that initial, like, let me look at her. Let me see her. Let me count her toes. Let me count her fingers. And I didn't meet her for multiple hours afterwards. And I'm like, I think that started it, but I think it could have easily been fixed. Um, one, if I would have had someone that told me, it's a hundred percent okay to like not have that first initial bond. You can still bond with your baby, you know, like yeah. afterwards. So like a postpartum doula, if I would have had one come in, but then she was a hard baby. Like she cried all the time. It felt like, and it wasn't like my other two had, and maybe Ava was like this too, was like, they cried at like night. You know, like it was like the same time of day that they would cry, you know, if they were going to cry, like the witching hour, you know, type of crying where they were just overstimulated, overtired, you know, they needed something. But like Lauren was just like, no matter what you did, like Mm -hmm. you could have been like, here's the world. And she would have been like, "Ah!" (laughs) yeah, see, Ava never, literally never cried. It is she was the perfect baby. No wonder you wanted 10 kids. <laughs> See what I mean? And so then here comes Emma Grace and that kid, bless her sweet little soul, cried for, you know, 12, 14 hours a day for months on end. Yeah. And I mean, granted, she had tummy issues that she literally just had to outgrow. What's so funny is still to this day, she's still like, so finicky about eating she eats like a bird and if she eats more than that she's like my tummy hurts I'm like oh you never (laughs) you never really outgrew all of that little fun stuff but she can still um or I guess I can say still to this day like she might have those you know tummy aches from if she eats more than what she should but thankfully she has outgrown the dairy intolerance oh nice corn intolerance who knew corn corn Mm -hmm. yeah we thought all these years or all those months it was mspi and then one day someone i met on a mom's group was like have you considered eliminating corn and we were like what And You're like, my I, baby don't eat corn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then I like went back and looked at all of her like 
because I quit breastfeeding because it was just too much mm-hmm, Me too for my anxiety. And so we switched her over to formula and we put her on one of those specialty formulas, but lo and behold, one of the first ingredients was corn. So I was like, all right, well, like, what do we do then for no corn? Gosh, that's crazy. It's and like so, dog food. Like uh-huh. the first ingredients is corn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And corn is in everything. And so, um, especially here in Nebraska. I mean, yeah, hello. Getting <laughs> your so, gas. It's in, a- <laughs> it's in the water. It's everywhere. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we switched to corn and it by no means was like a cure-all, but it was night and day difference um, as far as her fussiness. So yeah, lots of reasons why babies can be fussy. <laughs> I, I really never came to a conclusion why Lauren was so fussy other than knowing her as a teenager. I'm like, <laughs> It might just be her, (laughs) but they say that a lot of babies are fussy because, you know, they have like, well, this, I suppose could have been a part of it. You and I both suffered from an overabundance of milk. Um, and so, you know, they talk about like the high milk for milk imbalance and really forceful letdown, um, you know, can be incredibly hard just because you get a lot of air bubbles and gas and stuff during that. And so that probably could have been because I had enough milk to feed at least six kids. Um, and so, you know, but then we switched her to formula and it didn't instantly get better. Like I was planning on it. Cause everyone's like, Oh, I bet you have MSPI. And so I did the diet, which did you ever do the diet for the MSPI? Yes, I did. It's, I wish someone would have told me Oreos were okay on that diet because I just assumed all <laughs> good things were gone. <laughs> Oreos are great. They're perfect for the MSBI diet, but that's, it's a hard, challenging diet. Like you, you literally lose so much stuff because corn's in everything, but soy is in everything as well. And so you're just like, I don't know what to eat. I lost so much weight on and I didn't eating know, that way. Yeah. I didn't know that. Like um, meats were injected with like, I mean, I knew they were injected with products and things like that, but I didn't know it was like soy that they were injected with. So I'm like looking at all this meat and I'm like, Oh, I can have this. And my husband's like, no, see, it's injected with soy. And I was like, what, what is this? Yeah. So interesting when you do that MSPI diet, but I guess too, like, I didn't know because I had gone from one extreme to the other, like what was considered normal for a crying baby. And especially as a postpartum doula, I'm sure Andrea, you can see this too, that there's kind of that unrealistic expectation that a baby really only cries if you miss their like feeding cues. And that's totally not true. Um, there's normal crying, and then there's the witching hour and then mm-hmm. there's colic. <laughs> yeah. There's my butt is, you know, like wet. And right. then there's my butt is red and raw. You know, there's all sorts of different, like, I'm just, I'd rather not have this wet diaper on me. And then there's the, like, I have a really bad diaper rash and I'm incredibly uncomfortable and in pain, you know? Yeah. And then there's the, I don't know what's wrong with me, but this is the only way that I can communicate is just to scream. <laughs> yeah. And two, I, you know, families come home and babies are tired those first two weeks. They're just Mm -hmm. getting used to life outside of womb. And they don't realize that around two weeks is when babies actually start to kind of 
fuss more than what they used to. And that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, something is quote unquote wrong with them. It just, that's kind of where they're at. Babies start getting overstimulated. Um, And then to that crying really is on a curve. It starts out kind of small. And then about eight weeks, it peaks, they cry more than usual. And then it tapers off. And it's not uncommon to have two to four hours in a day of crying that that can be very normal. Right. And it's, it's helpful to distinguish between what's normal and what's considered um, out of the scope of normal for a newborn. Cause if it's out of the scope, then yeah, absolutely. You want to go and get it fixed or you want to at least have a reason why, like go to your pediatrician, go to your doctor and be like, they cry for endless amounts of time. It's not at the same time every day. It typically happens, you know, like whether we eat or, you know, like if they're not held upright or if they're not held like on their stomach, you know, like, or they arch their back, they throw their head back. Like those are signs of like, let's just go and have, you know, the doctor make sure that it's nothing more than just normal newborn crying because it's hard when the same exact sound means, you know, like, Hey, I'm hungry. And like, Hey, I'm like uncomfortable or in pain. Yeah. And so kind of knowing those signs of like, what's normal and what's like out of the scope of normal for newborn kind of fussiness or yeah, crying. I think, I think resources is a huge thing too, that the lack of them for me was played into my postpartum depression, anxiety. I didn't know that um, granted I was new to Omaha too. Um, and I back home, they don't have many resources like this, but I didn't know that there were lactation counselors I could reach out to, to help me with my milk supply. I didn't know I had an overabundance of milk supply until years later when I became a lactation counselor. Right. Um, I didn't know that the signs of, um, reflux are also the same, uh, as an oversupply or vice versa. Um, I didn't know about tongue ties and how that interfered with babies and when they're eating. Um, And I did know about postpartum doulas and I actually looked into hiring one here in Omaha and there were none (laughs) at the time. (laughs) I'm like, what is this? (laughs) Yeah. Hence why I became one, but I did know they existed and that they were a wealth of knowledge and support for those moments I wanted to get away or those moments I was like, what could this be? Um, I remember my pediatrician called Nathan, my husband, one day after I went in and I brought the baby in sobbing and I was like, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and she called my husband the next day and was like, you know, is everything okay? Cause she had mentioned, well, why don't you have family come over and help? And I'm like, I don't, I don't have family close by. It's not like, it's not that easy. So she called Nathan at work and just was like, is your wife okay? (laughs) Right. No, no, I was not. (laughs) The anxiety is hard when you have a baby that cries for most of its day. Like as a mom, you feel like you're doing something wrong. You know, you're just like, I'm every single thing that I try, like it doesn't work. So like, I must be doing it wrong. Like I must not do this correctly. And it just, even the noise of a crying baby can almost like heighten your anxiety and kind of just make you be like, I can't do this. Like I cannot function anymore in this type of environment where like 
constant noise. Just, I mean, honestly, babies get it. They get overwhelmed, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's a human reaction. So over you're overstimulated, you're overtired, you're lonely, you know, like it's babies get the exact same thing, um, that moms get, you know, and babies fuss and moms like pop out anxiety. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's so true. And that's kind of that witching hour that we start to see around that two, three weeks that in those early evening to late evening hours that those babies are predictable of, you know, six o'clock at night, he cries every night from six to 10 or Mm -hmm. six to nine or whatever that is. Oh yes. That's that witching hour. Strongly suggest just cutting the TV, the lights and swaddling and shushing. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, you can change their diaper, get them, you know, all swaddled up, you know, see if they want to nurse, if they're, you know, hungry, you can hold your baby doing skin to skin. You know, if you're not going to swaddle is also a good indication. I've heard a lot of people, um, do like baths, Mm -hmm. like with their baby. So like they get into a bathtub and so they're skin to skin. They can nurse if their baby wants to nurse their chest to chest, their baby's warm in the warm bath water. Um, and then dimming the lights. Yes. You know, just like a shushing sound, but like really soft, just kind of low keel, you know, just really not a whole Mm -hmm. lot of hoopla, you know, going through. And if nothing else works, like the colic hold, you know, the whole, like, almost kind of like you are holding a football, but like you're holding your baby, (laughs) you're like stomachs flat, you know, like against your forearm, your hand is holding their head. And basically it's just that pressure, like on their stomach, which kind of helps, which we do that too. Like if we have indigestion was the first thing we do, we apply pressure, you know, to the area that is upset. And so that's kind of why that helps, you know, with baby. Men are really good at that. Um, call it cold slash football hold. I, as soon as Nathan would walk in the door, I'd be like, here's your kid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he would sit, but she was really particular. She would only like it if he held her on the right side. As soon as he switched her to the left side, she would go back to screaming. (laughs) Is that why his one right bicep is so much bigger than his left? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, if you look back on pictures, yes. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) Yes. Oh, and he would sit and he would just bounce her up and down in that one right hand. And I just remember thinking like, how can you continue to do that over and over? I remember the days that I just would, like, I literally would want to run away. Like, I don't know Mm. why. But I like, I was like, once Scott walked through the door, like, I'm sure he had a hard day at work, but I'm like, you have to take this baby. And oh, I yeah. know, like, I always tell myself, like, if I ever got put on a jury of like a shaken baby syndrome, like I would right. have to have so much empathy for these parents. Not that I agree with what they did by any means, but living in that, like, that's a hard place to be, you know, and it's it's very emotional. Like you as a mom are going through so many emotions up and down without a crying baby, you know? And then if you just happen to have a baby that does have one of these issues that makes them a little bit more fussier, that makes them have, you know, colic or acid reflux or something like that, it can almost kind of like heighten or, you know, exasperate already, you know, up and down emotional tolls. And so that is such a place to get help. Like, I don't even care who it's with or who it's from. It's out there. Yeah. 
yeah, it, it's, it's, it's challenging. And we, we work with a lot of families during this time. Um, but I will say like, truthfully, and this is not me just, you know, selling a service, but I will say our families who have the support of a postpartum doula, um, especially when they hire us because they have a fussy baby, it's amazing how different their lives are once they have that additional professional support come in because we've got a wealth of knowledge, both personally and professionally on tips to soothe your baby and how to soothe them correctly. Who knew babies could be so finicky, but sometimes it's as simple as like, Oh, that swaddle's not tight enough, or they don't like that pacifier. Let's try this pacifier or, you know, let's hold them this way instead of that way. And just those little tweaks can almost instantly like a light switch, just boop, they're off quiet. Um, but also right. making sure that moms are getting breaks. They're able to step away. They're having somebody to vent to because to me, that was golden. Just having somebody to be able to relate to that could be like, you know what, this, this is a very tough season and there are days that just flat out sucks, but it ends. And I promise you, if you're listening to this and you're like, Oh, this is me and my, you know, baby, it does end. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually one time called my husband, um, and this is just how severe my postpartum depression anxiety was. He was at work and I was like, I found an adoption agency that will take her. And he was like, um, I'm going to come home. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I tried convincing him really hard. Like, you know, let's just try it. You know, we can always take her back. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, obviously not in my right state of mind. Um, but bless his sweet soul. He took her for the night and was like, I'll deal with her. You go sleep in the guest bed. And I woke up the next day, a much different person and was like, okay, let's right. we'll keep her. Um, but it's adding sleeplessness to <laughs> like an already kind of high stress situation is it just makes like the ticking time bomb seem to go off. And at least it did for me. Like, I'm sure not every single person is like this, but it's like, I'm tired and I'm exhausted and like, I'm leaking out of every single place possible. And this person that I love dearly, I also have no desire to be around because they're constantly crying and I can't figure out what's wrong with them. And my anxiety is through the roof. And sometimes, oh, I remember my, my great grandma, she's going to be 91 this month. So I don't know. 80, 70, something, 13 years ago, she would come over and she would just take her. Like, Mm -hmm. she's like, go take a shower. And it was like the best 10 minutes because like the shower, like stopped the noise. Like, and so like, I didn't have that constant noise and I didn't realize how much the like crying actually bothered me. Like why that was the thing that was like making it hard for me to like focus was like the noise. And so once I got away from the noise, so I actually got like earbuds, like little, like, um, those things, what are those called? Like not headphones. Oh, this, yeah. The sound. Um, yeah. Yeah. Man, we're, we're struggling here today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the things that stop noise that go in your ear. Someone's going to be like, you mean this? <laughs> Anywho's <laughs> comment below if you actually know what the heck this is called, but, um, the, whatever those are called, um, they stopped the noise and it actually helped me be able to like focus and like go through the day with what was going on. But yeah, I'd have 
I don't know where Lauren would be or where I would be if I didn't have that support system, like in my husband and in my great grandmother. And I'm just so, so thankful because I had no idea what a postpartum doula was. I didn't figure them out for multiple years after this, but I'm so thankful that they exist in this world because not everyone has that. Like you, you didn't have that family, you know, in town. And even if you did like, you know, your mom works and if your grandma's also work or, you know, if they're just not up to coming over every day or every night and helping out like, yeah. Cause it's hard for family too, to watch, you know, right. you go through that. I remember my mom sitting me down being like, yeah, we need to talk about like what you're going through emotionally and mentally right now. And I was like, what are you talking about? I mean, I mm-hmm. knew deep down. I, yeah. knew, but I was just like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And then you know, everyone's like, no, you're not. And then like realizing that, like actually admitting it to myself, I was able to start getting that help and to start coping and, or coming up with a plan to healthily, like healthily, is that a word to be able 100%. to get away <laughs> in a healthy way? Because I remember driving to target and be like, I just won't go back. Like, mm-hmm. yep. It's cool. I won't, I'll just drive right on through this stop sign here and not take my right turn and mm-hmm. it'll be, they'll be fine. <laughs> But they'll um, survive. They'll, they'll be better without me. That's what I kept saying. She'll, she'll, she'll oh, actually be yeah. better without me. I remember going yeah. to our pediatrician's office and she couldn't have been more than like three months old. And I was holding her like facing forward, like under her chest, because that's the only, and like under her crotch. So I have this like hole and I bounce her because that's like the only way I could ever get her to like, not just scream bloody murder. And so I'm standing here and looking at the pediatrician and I was like, I can't do this. And I was like, she's not sleeping. She's not eating. Like we're not. And he's just like, whoo, okay. Like calm down. Like, let's talk about, you know, everything that was going on. And typically like his appointments, you'd be in and out in five minutes. He's like, good to go. Sounds great. All right. Like, you know, we hardly saw each other's face, but here we go. And he's like, let's slow down. So like, you could tell when someone's like, nope, we're, we're not doing this no more. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Those days they end, they do end. (laughs) And now she's 13 and she's, she comes all these new words up all the time. Like I, you know how old I am. I did not know. Maybe you did not know this. This is going to make me feel better if you say no, that drama, you know, like school drama. She's a teenager is now called T like T E A T. Like, no, I'm old. T- yep. Tell me about the tea. She'd say, or like, do you want, do you want to know about the tea? And I was like, like, what tea? What are you talking about this tea? And she's like, um, that means drama. I was like, all right. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so it gets better. Then you just kind of roll your eyes at your kid and you're like, you're so cute. I used- I just- <laughs> yeah. I used to wipe your butt and, um, bounce you endlessly I will call it what I want to call it yeah you're like drama <laughs> and then she I go like I she, she made me feel funny because I said you guys come up with these like ridiculous names and she goes um if you've ever looked at the words from when you graduated you came up with words too and so I started arguing with her and I was like no we didn't so we looked it up and then it was like Snoop's dog like the shizzle nizzle and I was like oh all right <laughs> You win. <laughs> I will accept defeat on this one. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. But yeah, it's our biggest thing here today is just to say 
some crying is absolutely normal and to be expected endless amounts of crying is probably without out the scope of normal and to get help sooner than later from your pediatrician, yeah. from your friends and family, from a certified postpartum doula. Those are those people that you need in your life that are going to be with you until it does end because it absolutely ends. And then there's so much more amazingness after oh, this. Yeah. You just can't see the light at the end of the tunnel sometimes when you're in it deep. And so I promise you there is light at the end of this tunnel. And someday they will make fun of the words you said in high school and you'll have a good giggle and a laugh and it's, it's going to be good. But during this time, get that help because yeah. it is what's needed. Yeah. And I also think it's important to know that even if it's within normal and you're having a day or postpartum depression is just, it's the one thing that sets you off. Like that's okay. There there's like Andrea said, lots and lots of help out there. It is also okay to put your baby down in the mm-hmm. crib and walk away. Mm-hmm. I did that many, many times. Mm-hmm. I think that's I the knew one thing as that long saved as she, me. <laughs> yeah. I knew as long as she was crying, she was okay. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I would just put her down and I would take the baby monitor with me and I would take my toddler out onto the deck and I could see the, you know, how the, back then the baby monitors were like one light meant a little bit of crying and like five lights meant full on crying. It was like straight five lights. And I was like, well, we're good. We're going to just continue to sit out here on the patio and enjoy this ice cream cone. And we can't hear anything, but I can see she's still crying. Oh. And uh. I'd gather my wits and then inside we went. And going outside with your baby, that helped me too. Like that helped. That was like one of the things that would actually calm her for just a little bit. So if you need just like a little bit of a reprieve, if it's warm enough, take your baby outside. Something about the new environment, the new scenery, it's like light, Mm -hmm. there's air. It like calms them at least for just a little bit and it's magic. So that's another tip, you know, to put in your little pocket to try. It's so true. It's I mean, I use it still to this day for myself. Like when I get, you know, overwhelmed with life, whatever it is, I just go outside and I sit in the sun and I'm like, it actually is better. (laughs) Whatever I was going through is already better. Yeah. So, but we are here with you through the entire process. So if you need anything, please reach out. We are always welcome, you know, to have you to call us and we can talk with you through whatever it is and get you the help that you need. And that will make you into a better you, the best version of you. Yeah. We've had lots of phone cry phone calls where there was crying instantly. And my mm-hmm. heart really goes out to those families because it's near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we will end this podcast with a thank you for listening. Yeah. And we hope you come back and maybe next time we'll talk about something a little bit more positive, but sometimes yeah. you have to talk about the hard things because it's, it's real, the, it's real life and you go through it. And if this could help even just one person that listens to it say, you know what? Yeah, I do need to get some sort of help because I can't do it alone. It was worth it. Um, so you can check us out on Facebook at Omaha birth and babies, at Instagram at Omaha birth and babies. Um, and you can always go to our website at www.omahabirthandbabies.com. 
Um, feel free to reach out to us for anything you need and we will see you next time on the next yeah. podcast later. Thank you.